Hey all, this is the Flip-Flop Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Thrapp, an entrepreneur who turned my love of travel into a career. Travel is not just a hobby, it's a way of life. Making it happen can be tough. I'm here to offer practical advice to make travel more achievable. This isn't just about my journey, it's about inspiring you to pursue adventure and explore the world on your terms. Hey y'all, we have some bittersweet news about our beloved co-host Marla. She has decided to step away from hosting duties to focus on her many other amazing projects and ventures. While we are so sad to no longer have her in the co-host seat every week, we are incredibly grateful for the passion and humor she brought to the show during her time as host. Marla is still our executive producer and is instrumental in making this podcast happen. Though she'll be missed on the mic, we know she'll continue doing great things and wish her all the best. Thank you, Marla, for being an incredible co-host. So thanks for being here today. Thanks for taking time. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Nikki is my my friend in Italy who I've never met, but we're besties on the internet. <laughs> so someday, someday we're going to get together when I'm over there. How did you end up in Italy, Nikki? I know you, your accent tells us that you're not a native Italian. So no, how did you end up there? I have a bit of a hybrid accent. So I'm from Australia, but then I moved to London when I was 21. And I spent 12 years in the um, in London. And it was actually when I first moved to London, I went over to Italy for a long weekend. And it was my first time in Italy. I went to Florence. I was 21. And I remember thinking, wow, this place is just incredible. Like the architecture, so awe-inspiring. Because, you know, I'm from Perth, Western Australia. Australia is a very new country. We don't have that kind of history and it's very, very modern. And to see something like Florence, it's so very overwhelming. And I remember saying to myself at the time, one day I'm going to live here. So I kind of like had that thought when I was there in 2001. During the time that I was living in London, I went back and forth to Italy on holidays about six or seven times. And each time my um, love for this beautiful country just kept growing and growing and growing. And I left London in 2011. I spent six months in Brazil and then I moved back to Australia. But there was something missing for me. Like I'd been away from Australia 13 years and it didn't feel like home anymore. I remember going, I used to, you know, go to work and I'd work like 12 hours a day. And it's like a very like work hard, play hard kind of environment. There was a bar downstairs <laughs> in our office. So you go downstairs after work, you have drinks and then it just carries on. And that was pretty much our life, working really hard partying at nighttime and my body just went enough is enough and I landed up in hospital um, with severe stomach pains and you know on a morphine drip for about a week and I started to take stock like I was single um, didn't have any kids so I had nothing really holding me to stay in, in Sydney I'm lucky because I've got a UK passport and I was thinking, where do I want to go? Like, where do I, where do I see myself? Because I just felt in my soul that Australia was not my home anymore. I was I remember being with a friend um, in Sydney having dinner in this Italian restaurant and I just kind of blurted out to her, like, I'm going to move to Italy. And I don't know where it came from, the idea. <laughs> just, like, it was like we'd had one too many wines and we're complaining about, you know, the dating scene in, in Sydney, which is a disaster. And I was just like, I just said it, I'm moving to Italy. And I thought... <laughs> came home and I looked up you know um Italian uh, language courses in Sydney and because I have the UK passport and that was before Brexit I was right. able to move there with no problems logistically from a visa perspective this was December 2013 more or less I set myself a year goal to save money 
sort my life out, you know, study a bit of Italian, you know, start to plan, you know, where to go. And weirdly enough, ended up meeting an Italian guy who was the second cousin of my friend in Australia. It was a month after I decided to move to Italy. So he was living in Bolzano and Bolzano is in the far northeast of Italy near the Austrian border. I had no idea where in Italy I wanted to move to. So my plan was for that following August in 2014 to do a month. And then I ended up moving to Italy, to Bolzano in December 2014. So pretty much one year exactly after I had decided that I was going to go. So that's how I ended Good up. for you. Ended up in Italy. <laughs> I love that story. That is that's so fun. Um, I think that that's an experience that so many people have when they go to Italy. They just feel like they are in a magical place somewhere that's only from movies. I think especially as an Australian or as an American where we don't have, you know, like you were saying, the kind of um, history and, you know, culture that's just mm-hmm. soaked in the way that it is in Italy. And it's so awe-inspiring to us. So I remember the first time I went to Tuscany. I'd been to Rome before and loved it, but, you know, it was more of like a sightseeing thing. Mm-hmm. And the first time I went to Tuscany, I I wasn't super excited. Like, I was like, I'm sure it'll be pretty. I'll check it off my bucket list because I'll go anywhere. Like, yeah. you've seen, I'll just travel. If somebody asked me to go, I'll go. But I thought I would go one time and just check it off my list and, like, move on with my life. And then I got there and I was like, oh, my gosh, it all makes sense now. Yeah. Those movies where you buy a farm and you just never go back. I get it. <laughs> I didn't get it before, but now I get it. So it's something I think that changes in you. And it's not people who go to Italy with me for the first time. It's they don't check it off their bucket list and say, I'm done with Italy. They're like, well, now I need to go back. I have to keep going, you know. And um, my husband says, how can you have a whole separate Italy bucket list? Because I've been there. I don't even know how many times. And I still have a separate Italy bucket list. And he's like, I don't know how that's possible. And I'm like, well, there's still tons of amazing places to see in Italy that I haven't been. And there's every place is so beautiful. And it's like, that's where like when I have, you know, with my clients, where should I buy? It's like, well, it's, up to, it's like trying to decide who's your favorite child because like each part of Italy is <laughs> so beautiful. You can't compare, you know, one from the other. Yeah. Yeah. And really just so different. They're very different parts. You know, they're not they're not that alike at all. So mm-hmm. so talking about where to buy in Italy, that leads us to how did you start your company where you help people buy property in Italy? I This is how I encountered Nikki and I took one of her courses and I think it's so amazing. So I'd love for her to share how she started offering that services and more about it. Yes, definitely. So when I arrived in Bolzano in December 2014, like I had this massive plan to, you know, for the year before I came, save my money and work out what I wanted to do and didn't count on the fact that when I was living in Bolzano, I'd not have to just learn Italian, but I'd have to learn something called Tedesco, which means German. Because I remember during the time when I was searching online the job portals in Italy, in Bolzano, and looking at the requirements, thinking, what could I try and squeeze myself into, you know, get by on my English and, and use that as my big skill. And every job wanted this skill set of Tedesco, and I kept thinking, what is that? Is it like a program or a software or something? <laughs> I didn't realize it was a bloody language. Anyways, I get to- That's what I would have thought too. Yeah. Get to Boltano, like, right, so now I have to learn German. And I remember being out having an appetitivo, as you do, and I saw this billboard written in English. I was like, oh. Every time I saw something written in the English, because everything in Bolzano is written in, in German or Italian. So when I see something written in English, I was like, oh my God, what's this? And it was a job <laughs> posting for a real estate company called England Volkers. And they are a global luxury real estate company. And I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, something written in English, 
I can do things in English. I can't do this Tedesco girls. <laughs> I can definitely can't do the, the Italian stuff. So then I remember um, applying for the job and my potential boss, who has become a really good friend, called me and I was having my um, mid-afternoon siesta, snooze, <laughs> after lunch. And I remember answering the phone and she's talking in German and I was like, I don't understand. And I was like trying to ex- talk back in Italian. Then she's talking in Italian. I still didn't understand. And then she started talking in English. And I was like, oh. Then she said, I'm calling you because you applied for the job. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. There, I demonstrated <laughs> to her that I can't speak Italian. I can't speak German. Because <laughs> I was so confused on the phone. And so we met for a coffee. And basically, she wanted me to be like business development with people who wanted to buy property in Italy that ha- that were English speakers. So I was like, right, okay. So I started to learn all the um, the ins and outs of the real estate industry. I worked in real estate as my very first job in Australia. I was a property manager. So real estate has been a passion of mine. Like I'm someone that will go on portals. I mean, I even go on portals in the States just to see what things cost. I love to find out <laughs> what things cost, the areas, the prices. I do it in Australia, I do it in the UK, I do it in the US. And then to come and work in the real estate industry in Italy was like, wow, well, I love Italy, I love real estate. So it was two kind of things going together. Let's just say real estate in Bolzano is definitely not like how it's done in the rest of the country because, you know, it was a German company. They dot the I's, they cross the T's, everything's done really mm-hmm. well. And so I didn't really learn the... Can I swear or not? The, the shit show. Yes, you can. <laughs> it's okay. The, Be yourself. It's okay, Nikki. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm Australian. I swear. I can't help myself. Anyway, so I was in Bolzano three years, and this lovely guy that I was with, we were, you know, we weren't, we weren't right for each other. So we, 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 and we parted ways. And I ended up thinking, where do I want to move to in Italy? Because Bolzano is so beautiful, but it didn't feel like La Dolce Vita for me because it's, everything is Austrian style architecture. Everything's pristine, everything functions well, and it just people are very cold, and it just didn't feel like the Italy that I was searching for. And I'm they're a lot, they like to follow the rules a lot more. Well, they follow the rules, they're worse than the Aussies, honestly. It was like, wow, this is really strict. <laughs> anyway, and so my Italian teacher that I met in Sydney was from Puglia, and we stayed in contact, and we're still in contact, we're still friends. And she, um, because I had said to her, I don't know where to go. I want to be back by the beach again. I, I like I was. I'm, I love seeing the mountains in Bolzano, but that's not. I'm not a mountain person. I'm a beach girl. I grew up, you know, in Australia on the beach. So the I, the thoughts were Sicily, Calabria, or Puglia, and I didn't want to go to hard to choose between those. Well, my ex partner was Calabrese, and I didn't really fancy having another Calabrese. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like Calabria was off the list. Sicily, okay. yeah, I've heard about the Sicilians. They're a, bit, a little bit too crazy and jealous and all excited <laughs> to be on an island. So I kind of crossed that off the list. Anyway, um, old jokes aside, I'm not saying that all Calabrese are, are jealous. So it's just a it's tongue-in-cheek. Otherwise, they might come after me. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I looked up. She said to me, look at a town called Monopoly. And I Google searched Monopoly. And I was like, holy crap, this place is so beautiful. So I went mm-hmm. down to Puglia. And I went to Monopoly and I felt like the hairs of my arm just on end and, and on edge, like I could feel them and I started to get goosebumps and I started to get tears in my eyes, like this is this is my place, this is where I need to be. Mm. And so I was living in Monopoly and I walked past this English sign, mm-hmm. another English sign, 
and it was an office and I buzzed on the office and I walked in and I said in my broken Italian, what is, what is your business? Oh, we're in real estate. I said, oh, I said, I've worked in real estate before. And they said, well, we're actually looking for someone that has mountain experience because we're just opening up a um, office in um, Valdosta. So they want someone that's had okay. experience working in real estate in the mountains. They want someone that's got social media experience, someone that speaks English and someone that's worked in real estate. I was like, well, I do all these things. So I sent my CV in and I was hired immediately. And doing the same sort of thing, like guiding people with their queries on buying property in Italy. Now, I started to see a pattern forming in all these queries. Like people had these dreams of buying property here, but they had a lot of fears They've read one too many horror stories on the internet. You know, who do they trust? They've heard of dodgy estate agents. They heard of, you know, dodgy builders, you know, losing all your money, all the, all the things, right, that we see online. And it's what, seeing those patterns of questions was where it kind of came up with my business in 2019. I was like, I'm going to write a course on how to guide people through buying property in Italy. And I remember writing the course out. It took me two hours to write the entire course. I was like, once I started, I was like, with, with, the, uh, with the computer, I was like banging this course out. And I just tested the water and I said, I was in this group and I said, who would be interested in taking a course on how to buy property in Italy? I had 500 people join my group in 24 hours. I was like, wow. Yeah, I think I was one of the first people because I found you right when you did it then. I was like, oh my God, so this is clearly a thing. And it was the first course to um, be done in the country and the industry. And that is really where my business started. Then it snowballed to doing a property newsletter, which turned into a magazine. And then I have one-to-one clients. So it's really gone in a way that I could never have imagined. So I'm really grateful. That is awesome. I love I love whenever you get to see people just naturally come across something that blends all their passions together, all the things they love, and they can make a business out of it. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. And I think that it's just such an overwhelming prospect to think about going through all of, you know, buying a house in your own country is a pain, mm-hmm. you know, and all the things you have to go through and the processes. And if you've never done it, before in your own country, in your own language, it can be challenging and you need help. So I can imagine that people are super overwhelmed by doing it in another country, in another language with different laws and you know regulations, all of that. So I know that a lot of people in America hear about the one euro properties in Italy. Mm-hmm. And I want to hear your opinions on those. Okay. So I love a good marketing um, campaign. And I do believe that the one euro homes are a very clever marketing campaign but they're also a major scam. It's a money pit. Remember that sh- uh, that film, what was it, with Tom Hanks and Shelley Long? Was it the money pit? And they buy this decrepit oh, yeah, yeah. house and they just keep throwing, throwing, throwing money in it. And then at the end of the day, they literally want to kill themselves. Anyway, so I feel like the <laughs> one-year of homes is like the Italian version of the film, The Money Pit. I'll tell you why. Because these beautiful homes that they, that they have and these old towns that are completely debilitated, there's no one living there, it's dead, and they're kind of trying to market these towns. It's like, let's kind of revive these towns and let's make these towns, you know, great spots for Airbnb. It's a catch-22 because most of these properties, you can't Airbnb them. You have to physically be there as your main residence because the whole point is to re, um, repopulate the area. So they don't want someone right. coming in and just not using it and repopulating the area. The second thing is, what's the ingredient to having a successful holiday rental business? It's to be lit- having the property in an area where people actually want to go and visit. 
you know, like in a good location. Yeah. yeah. So if you've got this like tired little town where there's a piazza, there's a couple of old men playing cards, a few stray cats running around, everything's closed. Come on. It doesn't scream tourism. So that's two big things that, that jump out. But also the amount of restrictions and rules and regulations, the time period in which you need to restore these properties. I mean, the money that you spend, you might as well get that money and set it on fire or put it down the toilet because you're never going to get that money back if you have to sell the property. Because who's going to want to buy a completely renovated, jazzed up home in the middle of nowhere? Nobody. Yeah. At all. So you're not gonna you're not gonna become a one euro home flipper, is what you're saying? No, oh no, no. <laughs> definitely not. I I value my mental health way too much. And uh also, you know, the taxes and all sorts of stuff like that. But that being said, when I was, you know, going through all of that, I, I went through the process very, very um in fine detail. It was actually what inspired me to create my magazine which initially was a property newsletter called La Dolce Vita on a string because I wanted to show people that with that kind of money that you're going to spend on a one-euro home, because let's face it, it's not one euro. By the time of the taxes, it's like an auction thing. So you could like put in an X amount, all the things, the build, all that. You could be spending up to 100K. You can get a house in Tuscany that's full, that's ready to go for 100K, even less. And you can rent it out. You don't have these restrictions. So that's what kind of... The, the spin-off of this whole one-year homes hoo-ha, which still is a bit of a hoo-ha and people still get excited about it. And I was thinking, but there's so much more that you can do. And a big part of what I do is education. I want to educate people that it is possible here to buy a beautiful home and not have to spend every single thing that you in, in your bank. like, And you don't have to restore something from the ground up and try to make tried to make something that in, into a beautiful, successful business that's never going to be that way. So that right. is my two, well, maybe three cents on the uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I definitely fell down this entire rabbit hole during travel lockdown um, because in 2019 is when you launched your first course. I took one of the courses and then we went into lockdown mm -hmm. and your newsletter kept me entertained every week because I was just pouring over those options you're sending of the different houses. My favorite TV show in the world is House Hunters International. I'm obsessed. And I watched it, you know, for years and years and years. And I always tell my husband, I'm researching. I'm doing research because I would totally be on the internet looking everywhere we go. I do the same thing as you're like, how much does the house cost here? What would that look like? What would that mean? You know, and so um, having that real real time information from you is super fun to look at those houses. And I was trying to convince my husband the whole time. I was like, people are buying houses without even going. Nikki's giving him video tours. We can do it. <laughs> so I was trying to convince him to buy a house in Tuscany. I almost had him convinced. But then my tour business got really busy when we reopened travel. So I haven't had time but I thought that the information was so cool to see the like yeah the totally ready move-in ready houses that were even furnished mm -hmm. for you know 40,000 euro or something and it was like mm -hmm. oh this is a way better deal and then you don't have to worry necessarily about renting it out every single night that you're not there exactly. and that kind of thing mm -hmm. so I thought that was really really fascinating and um, I definitely learned so much in your course we talked a little bit about the paperwork and things that you don't know about but there's also a lot of complications that you could possibly encounter in Italy. Like one of the things I remember you mentioned in your course is that somebody could sell you a house that's been passed down in their generational family. And then it turns out that they couldn't, they weren't the only people that owned the house. So you think you bought a house that you don't actually own a few years later when someone turns up and says that actually it's still in their family. Well, there is that plus a bunch of other stuff. I mean, this is something that I see a lot 
it's very hard to find a house that hasn't been meddled with <laughs> in the sense that um, these Italians, they're, they're lovely souls that they like to go ahead and re restore their homes or add a, add a room on here. Let's dig a pool in here. Let's let's rip out this. Let's add this on. Do we need to get a permission for that? No, we just do it anyway. <laughs> and then 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 comes down the line when you've got to try and they're going to try and sell this house. And someone, if you're not aware, you can end up buying a house that has all these problems with it if you don't have a team mm -hmm. guiding you because then also you're relying on the agent to tell you that everything's in order and, let's face it, they want their commission. So this is where having my expertise, is, I've saved my clients millions and millions and millions of dollars of in properties that could have just been an absolute disaster or properties that have debts against them. I mean, like some people have, you know, still existing mortgages and stuff like that. So against the wow. property. So you need to check everything and make sure that what you're buying is actually the thing that you're buying. And, you know, sometimes you can, if there's a problem with um, a property that they've kind of done something they shouldn't have done, sometimes you can get backdated planning permission. So there are ways around it. So don't get completely scared off. There are ways around it. But having that independent advice is absolutely crucial. Yeah, that's fantastic. So with the magazine, you mentioned your magazine, La Dolce yeah. Vita. Is that a magazine all about Italy? Is it just about buying property? How would you describe the magazine? So I created two versions of the magazine. Um, there's one that's called La Dolce Vita Lifestyle Magazine that is like the VIP premium version, which has, I want it to be like a 360 degree insight into La Dolce Vita. So not just properties, but language, culture, architecture, interior design, travel, recipes. So it really covers absolutely everything. That is $11.11 .11 a month and each week you get an, ish, uh, an addition and there's 60 properties a week plus all those types of articles that I mentioned before. As a premium member, you will also get your own portal so you can log in and get all these um, discounts, so discounts on tours, discounts on language, discounts on cooking, all this sort of stuff as a premium member. But then I decided there's some people who are, you know, these are for you, the diehard, I'm definitely doing this, you know, like, um, and they right. know everything about Italy. But then there are also some people who are the dreamers and they want to tip their toe in the water and they're not sure yet. So I created a very bite-sized mini version of the magazine and I called it Edizione Espresso. Why Espresso? Espresso. Oh, little, you know, it's a little coffee. It's tiny. It's, yeah, <laughs> like the, the tiny version of the magazine. And you get 20 properties a week. And all these properties are all turnkey. So they're all properties that could be rented out and generating an income or become your new forever home. So Edizione Espresso is $1 a month. And I wanted to create oh, wow. such a low price point. I wanted it to be such an easy yes for people. And you get that and you get a recipe, you get some little language tips as well. So it's just a very mini version of the magazine. And I love it. It's my um, passion project. It's my baby, apart from my human babies. And I really enjoy putting it together every week. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. So do you put the whole magazine together yourself? You create everything and assemble it and distribute it and everything by yourself? Oh, I have a lovely, I, I find all the articles and the properties. I have a lovely assistant that puts it into the actual template for me. Otherwise, I'd be oh, like nice. um, superhuman, uh, <laughs> 24-7. But before she came onto the scene, I remember when I first started the newsletter, I'd be doing that newsletter whilst I was pregnant with my second child having the pregnancy insomnia and being up till three, four o'clock in the morning, 
every night putting that newsletter together. It was a I remember talking to you lots of times when you were up in the middle of the night and we would chat on Facebook and I was like, when do you sleep? Are you ever going to sleep? <laughs> Go to sleep. It's really late. And I'm like, go to work. <laughs> so I'm, I know I have my assistant that helps me do, do all the admin stuff for me. And I have a really great team now that that sees my vision and we just had a whole rebranding um, session this morning. So it's been really, really exciting. Lots of fun things on the horizon. That's fantastic. I think it's it's hard to sleep when you do when you created a job for yourself that you love. Yes. And so sometimes it's hard to just put it down and walk away because when it's just, you know, you're constantly thinking of new ideas and ways to do it and it, it's inspiring you to, you know, take it to the next level. It's hard to put it down sometimes. It is. And I, from, I sometimes I wonder if I've got a bit of ADHD because I was like, my mind is like, one of those hamsters on a wheel is like, <laughs> Once I have an idea, uh, that's it. I mean, I woke up this morning at 5 a.m., my mind buzzing of ideas, and that's how I am. That's how I, I have these downloads whilst in the shower. And I'm, sometimes I'm like, if I'm one of those people that if I don't write something down immediately or voice yes. it, it goes out of my head and that's it, gone. That of times I've jumped out of the shower, dripping wet, grabbing the phone, writing something down or voice studying my like. <laughs> otherwise the idea is gone forever. <laughs> yeah. I know. You start thinking of 50 other things and you're like, what was that genius idea I had? I don't remember now. Genius multi-million dollar idea that I had always got. <laughs> I know. That's the worst. So what other exciting things do you have planned? So so now we are um, working on a rebrand and I am going to be launching a boot camp um, soon. Hmm. Um, I'm not going to say too much on it yet, but that is on the cards also, we're going into high season, so this is my really, really, really busy time when clients come and I get to show them around, and it's really fun, actually, because one of my friends said to me, do you actually call this a job? I mean, like, you're always out having lunch. I mean, I was like, what? <laughs> you got to eat. Like, you, your clients have come here. you got to show them around. you got to take them out for lunch, show them some properties, get them drunk enough so they buy. I mean, that's <laughs> i just joking. Well, they didn't They didn't come to Italy to not eat good food. I mean, it's, I mean, that's part of it, right? It's part of it. It's, this is La Dolce Vita. I mean, like, you know, you'd be giving, you wouldn't be pre, um, giving the right impression of what's possible if you're not taking them out for lunch, so... Yeah. The full experience, the full for experience. sure. Yes. I love I love that you chose La Dolce Vita for your business name because I think that that is like the essence of what it is that people fall in love with in Italy is it's yes. not just not just the food, it's not just the scenery, it's not just the history, but it's like the combination of that and the way the Italians choose to live their life and prioritize <laughs> Um, what's really important. And I think as an American or an, as, as an Australian too, that we tend to just go, go, go. And it's so nice to have um, that reminder of other things can be the most important and to slow down and to savor. And that's something I really stress on my tours is that there's a lot of tours in Italy where you can just run around and take a million Instagram pictures and like say you saw it. Mm-hmm. Or what I really try to encourage people to do is like slow down savor it like mm-hmm. have three hour meals just just be where you are mm-hmm. and I think the Italians are really good at reminding us to do that and that they're so good at just saying like this is what's important right now mm-hmm. so I love I love that um, phrase I think it means so much more than just the words it has a has a lot behind it it really does and you're so right I mean uh, they call it here vita lenta so slow living and it's so like it's so true because sometimes I get on the I get in that kind of still that, that our old mentality of, right, I want to make a smoothie for lunch and I'm on the go and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm thinking, hang on a second, sit down, chop up some tomatoes, put it on a frizzelle and then you've got your olive oil. <laughs> and then it's to lunch, you know what I mean? You're sitting down and doing something, right. eating lunch. We have this tendency to be feeling like we have to be do, 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 do all the time. And actually I've, I've worked out that I achieve more by doing less. 
Yes. Which is uh, Well, you especially when you're creative and you give your give your brain space to create and to think. Yes. If you keep yourself just moving constantly, <laughs> you don't have time to have those ideas come to you or to flesh out those ideas when they come to you and figure out how they could actually work because exactly. you're too busy with everything else. So I think that's 100%. I think that's so true um that you can you can accomplish more when you do less and I love that. I've really started learning into human design. I'm not sure if you heard much about it, but human, my human design um, profile is a projector and a projector means that I have to really sit back and take time out for myself. I can't overexert myself because that's what, you know, I went into burnout when I was in, in Sydney and I started to go into burnout with my own job and I started to, my company here, and I started mm. to hate what I was doing. So I was like constantly on the phone, like you're clients and, and bet button there, social media this and buzzing this, that, and you feel like, ah. So now I like have these timeouts where I'm not doing anything. I'm just kind of sitting or reading or sleeping or going for a walk or going to the beach or doing something. And that is when all my ideas come to me. When I'm, as you said, you're, you're resting, you're kind of like, you're not pushing yourself so much. And I work in a completely different way now. And I think it doesn't just benefit me, but it benefits my clients as well because they're getting all of me instead of like this fractal version of me that's like all the time. Definitely. I've been hearing so much lately about the word rest. I feel like it's Mm -hmm. like the word of the year for 2023 about I'm just hearing it from all different directions, people talking about how rest for its own sake of being rest, you know, is so important to your well-being, so important to your productivity. It's so important Mm -hmm. for so many things. And um, I think it's something that we just don't, we sleep, but we don't have a choice. Like when you're just too tired to not sleep, you know, but um, I actually have a pretty strong tradition of taking naps every Sunday. And I, I try really hard to not have something keep me from having a nap on Sunday. And I swear my whole week will go better if I can take a nap on Sunday. 100%. And the siestas are so good. So I think if we can just apply, you know, find realistic ways to apply rest to our lives and our schedules that everything can be better. And have that not guilt about it because we feel guilty. Right. We feel like we have to keep constantly being do, do, do mode. And this is where the Italians, they really just, I mean, down in the south, I mean, I still walk at the pace of a, like, in comparison to these people <laughs> down here. And I overtake them and I, I, I'm i terrible behind them in the car as well because they're slow and they don't indicate. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> like, I'm, and I'm like, Nikki, you know, I live in the south of Italy. You're not, you're not driving in London anymore. Calm down. Yeah. Just take a step back. Take a breath. Yeah. The other day, this really made me laugh, is there was a huge queue of traffic and everyone's honking, beeping. And there was this little old nonna crossing the roundabout with her walking stick. Aww. You know, so I, I'm walking stick and umbrella and the car was trying to go near it. And she had the umbrella at the car, like, <laughs> like pointing at her like a gun. Is it just say like, don't come near me. Back off. The road. Back off. <laughs> She's walking one step, one step. And zero fucks given, like she was going as slow as <laughs> And she didn't care that the whole town was completely backed up. And I thought, I love this woman. She's like my my guru for my future self. <laughs> She's probably doing it to teach everyone a lesson. She's yeah. just deliberately giving us all a reminder to just calm down yeah, and slow down. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. I caught myself, the other, I was in Mexico last week and I caught myself standing in line at like a a gas station type place, you know, I was getting a drink and I'm standing there and the people in front of me were just doing everything so slow for no apparent reason. And as an American, you know, you just think like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Like, come on. And then I, I told my cousin who was with me, I was like, see, when you go to another country, this is a really good reminder. Like, I don't actually have to be somewhere at a certain time. Like, I'm not actually in a hurry. This just makes me feel like I should hurry, you know? And so it's a good time to just take a deep breath and be like, you know what? It's fine. Like, yep. the world's not ending 
it's okay. They do things slower than us. I've got to remember, I'm not, I'm not in my, you know, typical surroundings where everybody's in a hurry. So it's a good reminder. Totally. Well, thanks for being here today, Nikki. I love chatting with you. Good giggle. Yes, for sure. And I'm definitely going to encourage the listeners if they have questions, we'd love for you to come back another time. Maybe we can go over some listener questions and things that people are wondering about buying property in Italy. And I'm hoping I'm going to get to visit you in Puglia sometime soon. Definitely. You would absolutely love it. Sam, get your ass down here as well. (laughs) (laughs) It's number number one on my Italy bucket list. My separate Italy bucket list is to get to Puglia. So I need to come see you. (laughs) Awesome, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks very much. Thanks for being part of the Flip Flop experience. Make sure to subscribe and follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Flip Flops and Adventures.